0: Let's hope, Lord,
1: this time. Would you read us right?
0: Dear Heaven Lovingly yes. Father, Lord, we ask that you would uh, go with us this morning as we go into our services, Lord, that you would uh, cleanse our hearts and our minds, Lord, from all unrighteousness, Lord. We ask that we would look to you for your word, Lord, that we would have open hearts and minds to do the work that you called us to do. Lord, we ask that you would place your conviction in us, Lord, that we might uh, seek to do what is right in your sight. Lord, we ask that you would uh, create in us a heart that desires to repent of the things that we do that are contrary to your will. We ask that you be with those of our number that are not with us, whether spiritually, physically, or mentally sick. Lord, we just pray that you would uh, be with each one of those needs, Lord, and that you would provide for them, Lord, and that we would you would help us to find the opportunity to provide encouragement and uplift each one. We ask your forgiveness in our, our shortcomings in your service. We ask for these things in Christ, name. We pray. Amen.
2: Amen.
1: Amen. You know, Brother Tyler, as you were praying, I, I thought about the scripture it says he heals all of our soul's diseases. Amen. It's not just our physical bodies, it's not our mental mm-hmm. uh, aberrations, <laughs> but our souls diseases you know you don't think of a soul as being diseased but that's where the rubber meets the road so to speak it's our souls and and our immaturity in the lord that needs to be we we need to have that growth that spiritual growth and To have the things that hinder that put aside. And we can't do that. We can't put those things aside, much as we might like to. But we need need God. We need Jesus in our lives all the time. And so often we, we find ourselves being way too (laughs) self-sufficient I know I do and I I think well why isn't everybody like me you know (laughs) and I thought well it's a good thing they aren't (laughs) and uh, you know each of us is given talents each of us is given responsibilities because of the talents we have and I, for one, feel that I need to grow. I I felt that when I came here to this church, and I have grown, but I feel like a kid wanting to be like grown ups are, you know? Well, I'll never get that old. I'll never get that big, you know? I'll never have the, the ability to stop running into doorknobs or whatever your problem might be <laughs> as a kid, but I think we need that, each one of us. as our, We've got an eternity, but right now is when we need growth. Right now, presently, today. Not, not just tomorrow, we need it then too, but that spiritual growth, I, I prayed for that when I first came here. Not only for me, but for this church. Spiritual and physical growth both. We need to grow in numbers. And I'm glad when we have visitors. But that vis- that spiritual growth is probably even more important for us. It is for me. I know that. And I'm thankful for the growth that God has given me. Well, we're running well, late as usual, but that's all right. I- Turn turn with me to chapter 22 of the book of Acts. Actually, I'm going to start in verse, well, in chapter 21. I want to do a review there. Um, you'll recall that the Jews of Asia, some of them had come down at, either after Paul or before, but they had come to Jerusalem also. And They were unbelieving Jews. And in verse 27 of chapter 21, it says, And when the seven days were almost ended, the Jews which were of Asia, when they saw him in the temple, stirred up the people, stirred up all the people, and laid hands on him, crying out, Men of Israel, help! This is the man that teacheth all men everywhere against the people and the law. And this place, and further brought Greeks also into the temple, and hath polluted this holy place. This was the accusation that they made, a false accusation, mind you. He says, For they had seen before with him in the city Trophimus, an Ephesian, whom they supposed Paul had brought into the temple. So they were making accusations, false accusations, but... It was their perception of Paul, and their perception as unbelieving Jews wasn't a good one. And they they felt that he was uh, defaming the temple and leading people astray and teaching them strange doctrines that they didn't understand and didn't want to. And so let's skip down to verse 31, and it says... And as they went about to kill him, tidings came unto the chief captain of the band that all Jerusalem was in an uproar. The, the Roman uh, magistrate, the, the chief captain, he's, he is the man responsible for keeping the peace in Jerusalem, the Roman peace, the Roman idea of peace. And he didn't understand what was going on here. He didn't care about that. He said, this is, there's a riot going on down there. And he brought soldiers in who immediately, the, this, he brought in immediately the soldiers and centurions. So not only soldiers, but their officers also. The centurions were the officers under this magistrate, this man who was over overseer of Jerusalem on uh, the roman idea of overseeing Jerusalem and when the, when the jews saw these roman soldiers come in and i mean they came in in force they they were like a a riot squad came in and 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 quelled the violence they they came in to stop what was going on, immediately. And when, the, when this magistrate came uh, near and took him and commanded him to be bound with two chains and demanded who he was and what he had done. what well, what's all this uproar about? Why are we having this trouble? And actually the people there didn't all understand what was going on, and some cried one thing and some another and and he couldn't make heads or tails of what was going on here and so he demanded he took Paul away and um, he didn't know what had caused the tumult, and he commanded him to be carried into the castle into the into the garrison of his troops is what I understand this to be. It's not necessarily a castle like we think of, you know, with turrets and all this kind of thing, but it's their headquarters, the Roman headquarters. They took him in there, and this was, as far as the Romans were concerned, this was a safe place to keep him from all these Jews out there. They didn't understand what the Jews were upset about um but the multitude of the people cried after him, saying, Away with him. And Paul was led into the castle, in into the headquarters. And he said unto the chief captain, Please may I speak to the people. He he said to this magistrate, the, the head man there, he said, May I speak to the people? He asked very politely, mind you. And the the captain looked or the magistrate looked at him and he said what you mean you can speak Greek I, he was amazed he said I thought you were that Egyptian that led a bunch of cutthroats out into the desert 4,000 cutthroats out into the desert he didn't have any idea who Paul was didn't really care but he just wanted this tumult stopped all of this riot but Paul said I am A man which I am a Jew of Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, a citizen of no mean city. And I beseech thee, suffer me to speak to the people. He said, please, let me speak to the people. (coughs) He said, well, all all right, if you can speak Greek, you know. I mean, if you're that well educated and and you're truly a citizen of a Roman city, a Roman province, he said, no means, this is no mean city. This isn't some little podunk place that I come from. And he said, well, if okay, you go ahead and speak to the people. He gave him license. It says, gave him permission to speak to the people. And Paul spoke to them, not in Greek, not in Aramaic, not in Latin, but in Hebrew. And that got the, peop- the Jewish people's attention they spoke in, he spoke to them in Hebrew. And this was not something that the Jews did on the street normally. They didn't, they spoke in Hebrew in their synagogues, they spoke in Hebrew in their homes, but they didn't speak Hebrew on the street generally. And Paul got their attention when he spoke in Hebrew. And with that, we start into chapter 22. And I'll read some of this here. It says, "Men and brethren and fathers, hear ye my defence, which I make now unto you." And when they heard that he spake in the Hebrew tongue to them, they kept the more silence. And he saith, "And he saith, I am verily a man which am a Jew, born of Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, yet brought up in this city, at the feet of." Gamaliel, and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers, and was zealous toward God as ye all are this day. He says, I was as zealous a Jew as you are. I was taught in this very city, right here in Jerusalem, at the feet of Gamaliel, or Gamaliel, I'm not sure how that's pronounced. I, I... Gamaliel, well, anyway, he said, I was a Jew. I I am a Jew, and I was raised right here in this city and taught uh, by one of your best teachers. He was the best teacher that they had there. And I persecuted this way to the death. He said, I persecuted these Christians to the death. I I was that zealous a Jew. Binding and delivering unto unto prisons both men and women. It didn't matter to me who who they were. If they were serving this other way, I was against it. Verse 5, As also the high priest doth bear me witness, and all the estate of the elders, from whom also I received letters unto the brethren. Now, he says, I received letters from these, from the high priest to go there. I had papers to prove that I had the right to do this. And the high priest gave those let, letters to me. And when he says, these are letters to the brethren, He's talking about Jewish brethren in Damascus. He's not talking, you know, usually in the New Testament when it says the brethren, it's talking about the church. But this wasn't the case here. Paul didn't know anything about churches. The brethren were Jewish brethren. They're in Damascus. He had letters to them from the high priest uh, to bring them which were we were bound to Jerusalem for to be punished. He was going to drag these people back to Jerusalem so that they could be punished. Back in bound, to bind them and bring them back bodily. That was his job. That's what he felt his job was. And so this is what he's telling them in Hebrew. In verse six, it says, And it came to pass that as I made my journey and was come nigh unto Damascus about noon, suddenly there shone from heaven a great light round about me. And I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying unto me, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? All of this is in Hebrew, he's telling them this. He said, He said, I saw a great light, and I fell to the ground, not knowing what this meant. And there came a voice from heaven. And I fell to the ground and heard that voice saying unto me, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And I answered, Who art thou, Lord? And he said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest, Jesus of Nazareth, that man that the Jews and the Romans had killed. Wow, this is the light coming from heaven this is well, only God could do that, right? They understood that, and this vision that he was seeing here on the as he approached Damascus was. Nothing other than the hand of God. And they knew that. They, they understood that. In Hebrew, he, they understood what he was talking about. And they that were with me saw indeed the light and were afraid, but they heard not the voice of him that spake unto me. So this voice was just for Paul, just for Saul of Tarsus. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the the Lord said unto me, Arise, go into Damascus, and there it shall be told thee all the things which are appointed, uh, determined for thee to do. Those things that have already been determined for you to do. You've got a job to do. And so Jesus said, Arise, get up, get off of your face, and go. Go into Damascus, and I'll I'll tell you it'll be told you there what has been determined for you to do. You've got a job to do. So Jesus said, You've got a responsibility here. And and Paul realized when he's when he addressed this voice that came out of the heavens, he addressed it. Addressed him as Lord. He said, Who art thou, Lord? He says, I, I know that <laughs> you're bigger than I am. <laughs> You've got more authority than I have because you're speaking from heaven. You're speaking to me and to Him alone. The others didn't hear the voice, just Paul. They saw the light and they were afraid. They didn't know what was going on. But Jesus spoke to Paul. He says, get up. I'll show you what has been determined for you to do. Who determined? Who made, made that determination? Who made that appointment of Paul? It was God himself. God the Father. Jesus was telling him, we've got a job for you to do. And when I could not see for the glory of that light, being led by the hand of them that were with me, I came into Damascus. And one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good report of all the Jews which dwelt there, came unto me and stood and said unto me, Brother Saul, receive thy sight. And the same hour I looked upon him. He said, that very hour I was able to see him. My, my blindness cleared up. I, was, I had to be led blind. I, I couldn't see where I was going until that time. I don't know how long Paul had been in Damascus before Ananias came to him. We read this, and it sounds like it's instantaneous. He may have been there for a week, blind, unable to see. Stumbling around in the darkness and fearful for the voice that he had heard, not knowing what he was to do, but knowing that the voice said, we'll tell you what you are supposed to do. And let's see. So the Jews that dwelt there had high respect for Ananias. Ananias was a Jew. I'm sure he was also a Christian. He was a servant of the Most High God, and they understood that. The Jews understood that. And they he didn't necessarily tell them that this highly respected Jew there in Jerusalem may be one of the... People that he would have gone to with letters, I don't know. But he says he came to me and stood and said unto me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And I, I looked upon him and I saw him. I was able to see him. So he brought healing for my eyes. And he said, The God of our fathers hath chosen thee. Now the God of our fathers, this is saying Jehovah has chosen you. God the Father has chosen you that you should know his will and see that just one and should hear the voice of his mouth. Who is the just one he's speaking of here? That's Jesus. Jesus, the Son of God, the only begotten Son of God and to hear the voice of his mouth. You're, you're to listen to Jesus when he speaks to you. This is what Ananias is telling Paul. Who revealed that to Ananias? The Holy Spirit, I'm sure. Verse 15 goes on, he says, For thou shalt be his witness unto all men, for that thou hast seen... And heard of what thou hast seen and heard. He says, "You're going to tell everybody you know what you have seen and heard from heaven, from from Jesus, from the from the lips of Jesus, from the voice of Jesus." He says, "You're going to tell everybody what you've heard." And now, why tarriest thou? Arise! He says, "What what are you waiting for? Don't delay." Get up. You've got a job to do. What are you waiting for? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. You call on Jesus. You ask, you pray to him, calling on his name. Ananias told this to Paul. And it came to pass that when I was come again to Jerusalem, even while I prayed in the temple, I was in a trance. He said, I, I was praying in the temple. He went into the temple in Jerusalem. He came back to Jerusalem here. That, that travel isn't mentioned, but he came back to Jerusalem. And I was praying in the temple And I was in a trance and saw him saying unto me, Make haste and get thee quickly out of Jerusalem, for they will not receive thy testimony concerning me. The people in Jerusalem aren't going to hear you, Paul. You're going to give your testimony, but they aren't going to hear you, so you better get out of here. Jesus told him, Get out of Jerusalem. This isn't the place for you right now. And I said, Lord, they know that I am imprisoned and and beat in every synagogue them that believed on thee. He says, I, I beat those followers of the way, those Christians. He says, they know me. They know who I am. Why would they not receive my testimony? They, I mean, Paul was giving excuses here. And when the blood of thy martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by and consenting unto his death and kept the raiment, kept the clothing of them that, that beat him to death, stoned him. I was there. They know that. They know who I am. Why? Why should I have to worry? I mean... Why was he arguing? I don't know. But it was human reasoning. He said, they have no reason to not hear what I have to say. And he said unto me, Depart, for I will send thee far hence unto the Gentiles. He says, I'm going to send you a long ways from here to Gentile people. Now I'm sure as a good Jew, Paul was wondering, unto the gentiles my goodness that doesn't sound right to me I mean surely they'll hear my voice they know who I am I persecuted the church I was a zealous Jew I was, I'm i a good guy according to the law he says depart and I was sending hence unto the gentiles and they, now that they that we're speaking here in verse twenty-two, is the Jews. Those that were listening to him talked to them in Hebrew, and they gave him audience unto his unto this word, and then lifted up their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for it is not fit that he should live. Whoa! What upset them here? that God sent him to the Gentiles? That was where they got upset. Gentiles? Why, <laughs> I mean, God cares about Gentiles? They, they didn't think so. That wasn't the Jewish perception. Were, their perception was that only the Jews mattered to God. And they said, away with such a fellow from the earth for it is not fit that he should live. He shouldn't be preaching these things. We don't allow that. <laughs> that isn't allowed in the, in the synagogue. Jews were the only people allowed into the synagogue. The, listen, these people from Asia had seen Paul consorting with an Ephesian who was not a Jew. He was a Gentile. And they thought that, they, that he had brought this Gentile into the synagogue, which was not allowed. And that was part of their accusation. So the Jews were saying, it's not fit for this man to live teaching those things and doing those things that are contrary to the law. And as they cried out and cast off their clothes and threw dust into the air, the chief captain, that magistrate, that Roman magistrate, commanded him to be brought into the castle. And bring him back into headquarters here and, and bade that he should be examined by scourging. Now, what is examined by scourging? I mean, you flog him until he tells what's, what he believes to be happening. We, we'll get the truth out of him one way or another. So they were going to flog him examined by scourging that he might know wherefore they cried against him we'll we'll find out why they're upset with this man we'll we'll scourge him until he tells us we're going to beat him until then and as they bound him with the thongs Paul said unto the centurion that stood by is it lawful for you to scourge a man that is a Roman and uncondemned well that was against Roman law it was against Jewish law for that matter. But that didn't seem to matter here. They were going to flog him and get the and beat the truth out of him. When the centurion heard that he heard that, he went and told the chief captain. He went to the magistrate, his bo- he went to his boss. He said, "Take heed what thou doest, for this man is a Roman." He said, what are you doing? This this guy, this man's a Roman. We can't do this to him. He hasn't been condemned by any of our courts. He hasn't been condemned by our law. But if we're beating him? He's a Roman citizen. You should know better than that. He said this to his boss. When the chief captain, then the chief captain came and said unto him, Tell me, art thou a Roman? He said, yes. Just, yes? (laughs) And the, the chief captain, that magistrate, was amazed. You know, Paul had amazed him first when he spoke in Greek. I'm sure he amazed him again when he spoke in Hebrew. And now he amazed him even more when he's a Roman citizen. And the chief captain answered, With a great sum obtained I this freedom. He said, I, I had to pay dearly to become a Roman citizen. And Paul said, but I was born free. I was born a Roman citizen. And that impressed that magistrate even more that Paul didn't have to pay to become a citizen. He was a citizen. Then straightway they departed from him, which should have examined him. That is by scourging. they, They left. They got out of there. They said, this isn't right. He commanded them to leave, I'm sure. And the chief captain also was afraid after he knew that he was a Roman. And because he had bound him. It was by the the magistrates, the, the head boss had ordered him to be bound in chains and drugged into the castle. Now that was God's doing, by the way. They put him under protective custody from the Jews. The Jews would have killed him. But they didn't understand that. They were afraid because they had bound a Roman citizen without being condemned. And they didn't understand that. But even that head magistrate was afraid because he had to answer to Caesar. He had to answer to the Roman government. Verse 30 says, On the morrow, that's the next day, because he would have known the certainty wherefore he was accused Of the Jews, he loosed him from his bonds, or his his bonds, and commanded the chief priests and all their council to appear, and brought Paul down and set them before them. This Roman commanded the chief priest and the Sanhedrin council of the Jews to come and to appear before him and and give answer for what this riot was all about he said we okay paul paul's a roman citizen we we know who he is now but we're going to find out what this uproar was all about and so he brought in all the the sanhedrin court this was the highest religious court of the jews brought them in and said all right what's this all about? And he brought Paul down and set him before them. He said, okay, we're going to straighten this thing out between this man and all of you. We're going to find out what's going on here. Let's go on into chapter 23. And Paul earnestly beholding the council and men said, brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God unto this day. He's talking to the Jews here. He calls them brethren again. I have lived in all good conscience before God unto this day. He says, I've done exactly what I felt God would have me to do. I have no no compunction about what I've done. I felt I was doing what was right. And the high priest, Ananias, commanded them that stood by him to smite him on the mouth. He says, smack that man in the mouth. He shouldn't be saying things like that. He's lying, is the idea here. Then said Paul unto him, God shall smite thee, thou whited wall, for thou sittest, for sittest thou to judge me after the law and commandest me to be smitten contrary to the law. The the Jewish law, by the way, He said he commanded him to be smacked for what he had said. And Paul calls him a hypocrite, a whited wall. A wall was made out of just whatever you had on hand, the junk that you couldn't use for building something else. And then you paint it over with whitewash so it looks nice. He called him a whited wall. He said you're full of junk, but you're painted white. You know, you're painted to look good. and when they and they that stood by said "Revilest thou god's high priest then paul said or then said paul i wist not brethren that he was the high priest for it is written thou shalt not speak evil to the ruler of thy people he he quoted the law here to them he said i'm sorry i i didn't understand that he was a high priest I I wasn't aware of that. He wasn't acting priestly. He was acting contrary to the law. But when Paul perceived that the one part of were Sadducees and another part Pharisees, he cried out in the council, right there before the council, the Roman council and the Hebrew council, the Sanhedrin. He cried out, "Men and brethren." I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee, of the hope and resurrection of the dead. I am called in question he said i'm I'm preaching Jesus, who rose from the dead, and that's why they're upset with me. Oh really? well, what did this do? It created a vision, and when he had said so, there arose a dissension a a quarrel, a, a a division between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the multitude was divided. So he divided the Sanhedrin. He said he separated them and said, Hey, I this is the problem. I I believe in the resurrection. <laughs> and And when he had so said, there arose this dissension between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the multitude was was divided. For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, neither angel nor spirit, but the Pharisees confess both. He says, so these Pharisees believed in angels. They believed in the resurrection. Uh, They believe in spirits, but the Pharisees didn't believe in any of that. And most of the Sanhedrin at this time, as I understand it, was Pharisees, or was Sadducees, I'm sorry. Most of them were Sadducees. They did not believe in spirits or the resurrection or angels or any of this stuff. They, They said, oh, that's hocus pocus, we don't believe in that. And there arose a great cry, and the scribes that were of the Pharisees, part, rose and strove, saying, We find no evil in this man, but if a spirit or an angel hath spoken unto him, let us not fight against God. He said, If, if God sent a voice to him, we aren't going to argue with God. We, we don't want any part of that. So we're going to say, We don't have any problem with Paul anymore. So, But the the Sadducees still did, and they were upset with Paul. And when they, when there arose a great uh, dissension, that is, a, a a big quarrel between them, the chief captain, fearing lest Paul should have been pulled in pieces of them that commanded, then he commanded the soldiers to go down and to take him by force from among them and to bring him into the castle. Bring him back into headquarters. He's going to get ripped apart down there by those Jews. They can't even understand. They're arguing between themselves, and they're going to just tear him apart. And the night following, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem. So must thou bear witness also in Rome. Whoa, Rome? Here, here's Paul sit, standing here testifying in Hebrew to the Jews. And God comes to him that night and says, You're not only going to test, you've testified to the Jews here. You've told them what you, who you are and that you're speaking for me concerning the resurrection of the dead this is god speaking to him now whether he says the lord stood by him i believe this is the lord jesus came and said you've testified of me here in jerusalem now you're going to be going and you're going to testify of me in rome well now this is just at the beginning of paul's um of his uh, his responsibility before God here in testifying to the, to the Gentiles. He says, I'm going to send you to Rome and you're going to testify of me there. So with that, we'll stop our reading because this is a good place to break off because here Paul has been arrested, first of all, by the Sanhedrin and then he was rescued from the Sanhedrin by the Romans and then the Romans said okay we're going to bring him back out here and we're going to get this thing straightened out they didn't do that by the way and there arose a dissension because Paul said I am a Pharisee a son of a Pharisee I'm a I'm a good guy I, I'm a believer the Pharisees were the, uh, the strongest sect of the Jew at that time as I understand it he says I'm you know, in another place he says I, I'm a he says I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees. I'm I'm the best. I'm the best there is. <laughs> I'm Superman in the Jew among the Jews. I'm a a zealous Jew. I've I've done everything right according to the law. This is where the high priest said, smack that man across the mouth. He knows, he shouldn't be saying that. We don't believe he is that. Obviously, the high priest was a Sadducee. Hey, you know, I I heard a thing, how do you tell Pharisees and Sadducees? Well, the, the Pharisees believe in God and angels and spirits and, and the resurrection, but the others don't, so they are sad, you see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good way to remember the, who, who's who here yeah they're they're sad because they they don't believe in the resurrection well any questions or any thoughts concerning what's taking place here certainly this is an exciting uh, part of the bible where God speaks to Paul personally, in the person of Jesus Christ, and says, I've been sent here for a mission, and I'm sending you on a mission. Quite frankly, God does that for us. We each have a job in God's service. We need to be ready to do what God says. Andy, you have had something Especially to the Gentiles.
3: He was sent out by God with a message. Yes. And he traveled around and spoke the message. Okay. But also, I see this in this chapter. There's this tremendous amount of emotional investment of all these people. They all want to have their way, you know,
1: be the only way. Whether they're Sadducees or Pharisees or whether. Or the Romans, for that matter. Or the Romans. <laughs> the law Killing, no, killing, whatever it took. Because he was, as the,
3: the way they saw it, he was blaspheming against God. He was bringing in something else that God didn't approve of. They did not. But see, he was, nobody could imagine God would become a man and die. That was what the picture of the sacrifices was about. But they had never seen that in their lives.
1: No. Yes, and that's what they were seeing that they they as people were supporting God, not God yeah. supporting them. Right. Not not giving God his due. They were saying we have to do for God Paul was feeling that too when he went to Damascus he went there saying I've got the letters from the high priest to say I can arrest anybody I want to any of these followers of that way and drag them back to Jerusalem for punishment he he felt he was right in doing that and they felt they were right in killing him because of his going to the Gentiles, because God, Jesus told him to go to the Gentiles. So this is a a time of turmoil here. the The Romans didn't understand any of this. They didn't understand him when he spoke in Hebrew. I guarantee you. The Jews did, and so the Romans were saying, "Well, what what's all this turmoil? We still don't know what's going on here." They've got the Jews. The Jews are fighting amongst themselves, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, which they didn't understand that either. The Romans didn't understand. But... I thought they did not get along with anybody. (laughs) Well, they they felt they were in charge, and they were, according to Caesar. That was the Roman world at that time. All the Mediterranean, the whole, whole area had been taken over. Alexander the Great had done a tremendous job and he'd conquered much of the world at that time. And so here was this man saying that Jesus, a man that had been hung on a cross and died, spoke to him from heaven and told him to go to the Gentiles. He says, I'm going to send you to the Gentiles. Andy? what? their understanding of God. Yes. And that includes Baptist churches, by the way. (laughs) That's not just the Jews or the idol worshipers or whatever out there. No, it includes every one of us. We need to let God be true and every man a liar as far as that's concerned. We need to realize that we need to...
0: more times to sing that one. We might
1: have to sing that one a few times. (laughs) Not today. Not not today. But Mm -hmm. the words of this song have been going through my mind this past week. And all of these things, you know, what this says. I hope you listen to the words of this song. It is praise to the God. Praise ye the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. He is the one that we Answer to. Go. He is the one that we should be responsive to. Look what he's done for us. He's provided our health, our strength. Uh, he brings relief when we are sad, when we have troubles, when we have physical problems, all of this. He's the one who sustains us, he's the one that gives us life. You know, he's Paul spoke to the church there on Mars Hill, or church, the assembly on Mars Hill. Uh, And these people, he said, look, you've got all these these different things that you worship out here, all these different gods. He saw all these statues, and and then he came to the one that says, the unknown God. And he said, ah, this is the one you don't know. You need to be worshiping him. Forget all these others. He's the one you need to... Sir, He's the one. We need to realize that, that what he said to the people on Mars Hill, those people who didn't know God, who didn't know our God, he said to them, this is the one who gives you life and health and your very, the very, very breath that you breathe. He gives that to you. He's the one you need to answer to, not to all these people so-called gods. What about us? What takes up our time through the week? Well, we've got got to feed the cat. We've got to take care of that cat. Around our house, that cat just about rules the place. (laughs) You know, it might be horses. It may be uh, taking care of kids. It may be uh, making money for the rent payment we have all all these things occupy our time but who is the one who provides all these things for us everything that we have everything we see god made it all he's the one we need to answer to praise ye the lord the almighty the king of creation we need to learn this song <laughs> It's a good one. My my heart was <coughs> bubbling with this song all through the week, and I I like the song. All right. Um. Let's sing number thirty-two. This is one we haven't sung in a long. We, we know that there are people out there in our world that we have not told about Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. We need to bring them in. And Brother Tyler, will turn the services over to you. Our kind and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to serve you in this place. Thank you for these who come and hear and whose hearts are open to to your word. We ask, Lord, that you would direct each of us, help us to call upon your name throughout the week and to give you the praise for all the things that we have, for all of our life and our comforts and our our hope and our joy and our expectation of the coming kingdom of your <coughs> designing. We thank you, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be more active in your service, to be more willing to hear, more willing to put aside the things of this world that we might serve you better we ask lord that you would be with those of our number who are not here for whatever reason lord you know we ask that you would be with those who are sick help them that they might be restored to their health we think of all of those prayer requests that we know of our hearts and even some that are not on the prayer list, Lord, you know the needs of each person, know how to provide in ways that only you can provide, help us, Lord, to learn to be active in your service, to learn to be what you would have us to be, forgive us of our shortcomings and help us to draw closer to you each day. For we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Good
0: morning, everybody. interest of time this morning, I'm going to forego our prayer list this morning, and uh, we'll cover that this evening. Um, If you will, turn with me to the book (coughs) of Deuteronomy, excuse me, not Deuteronomy, Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. References quite a bit, um, but in, in regards to today's message, we'll take a look there at verses five through seven of chapter sixteen. It says, And he said peaceably, I am come to sacrifice unto you, <clears throat> unto the Lord, sanctify yourselves, and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. And it came to pass when they were come. And he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointing, anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him, for the Lord seeth not the man, uh, as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. And Jesse called Abinadab, and he came to pass before Samuel, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this Then Jesse said, made Shema to pass by, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. And again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel, and Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are there uh, here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for he will not sit down till he, till he come hither. And he sent and he brought him in. Now he was a ruddy and with all of beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Now let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7. The discussion that we're going to look at today is what is the definition of faithful? What What do we consider faithful? I know I had a conversation with a brother the other day regarding faithful. Typically, we use the word faithful as one who attend services without fail. But that's not the definition of faithful according to the Lord's service and according to the scripture. It is not measured solely on attendance, but on the innermost being, thoughts, and motives. The unseen things of our human perception doesn't catch. The Lord defines this well in David's anointing here because he rejected Eliab and the other sons of Jesse. Jesse. So here in Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 9, he says, Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God and the uh, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations and repayeth them that hate him to their face to destroy them. He will not be slack to him that hateth him and he will repay him to his face. Thou shalt therefore keep the commandments And the statutes and the judgments which I command thee this day to do them. Wherefore it shall come to pass, if ye hearken to these judgments and keep and do them, that the Lord thy God shall keep unto thee thy covenant and the mercy which he sweareth unto thy fathers. And he will love thee and bless thee and multiply thee, and will also bless the fruit of thy womb and the fruit of thy hand, thy corn, thy wine, thine oil and the increase of, of the, thy kind, and the flocks of thy sheep, and in the land which they swear unto thy fathers to give thee. And thou shalt be blessed above all peoples, and there shall not be male or female barren among you or among your cattle. And the Lord will take away all, the, uh, the, all sickness, and will put none of the evil diseases of Egypt, put none of the evil diseases of Egypt which thou knowest upon thee but will lay them upon all of them that hate thee. And thou shalt consume all the people which the Lord thy God shall deliver thee. Thine eye shall have no pity upon them, neither shalt thou preserve their gods, for that will be the snare unto thee. If thou shalt say in thine heart, These nations are more than I, how can I dispossess them? And thou shalt not be feared, afraid of them, but shalt well... Remember what thy God did unto Pharaoh and unto all of Egypt, and the great temptations which thine eyes saw, and the signs and the wonders and the mighty hands and the stretched- out arm, whereby the Lord thy God do unto all the people of whom thou art afraid. Moreover, the Lord thy God will send the hornet among them until they are left, and hide themselves from me from me and be destroyed. Thou shalt not be afraid of them, for the Lord thy God is among you, a mighty God and terrible. I'll we'll stop there. So here we have the book of Deuteronomy. Of course, the book of, it's called the book of second mention, the book of second mentioning of the law. So here he discusses with them what the expectation for their service is and the promise of the faithful service to the Lord. Knowing that God is faithful without fail, he expects for us to have uh, uh, reciprocity, as I I can't say it, or the returning of the same thing from, uh, from us to him, as he is faithful to us. That's all the Lord requires, is that we return that same thing to him. That's the expectation. What does he say? To love him, to keep his commandments, that is to attend by faith the works that he requires of us. And to love him, love our brethren as we love him. That's the expectation there. He says there, know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God and a faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commands to a thousand generations. And he repayeth to them that hate him to their face, destroy him and he will not slack Be slack to them that hateth them, and he will repay him to his face. Hate's a pretty strong word that's mentioned there. But that hate there is to hate his ways, to have disregard for them, to not like them, to not follow after them. That's to hate. Because that's to not follow his ways. look at Psalm 31. Psalm 31. Jubilee. 31 verses 23 and 24. Says, for I said in my haste, I am cut off from before thine eyes. Nevertheless, thou heardest the voice of my supplications when I cried unto thee. O love the Lord, all ye his saints, for the Lord preserveth the faithful and plentiful, rewardeth the proud doer. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your hearts and all ye that hope in him. This was the psalmist David talking about his confidence in the Lord. He says, for I have said in my haste, I am cut off from before thine eyes. David said, "And I was too hasty in in my saying that I was cut off. He says, nevertheless, even though I said this, you heard me. You heard my plea for, for help. He says, oh, love the Lord, all ye his saints. Love the Lord, those people who, who follow after his service faithfully. For the Lord preserveth the faithful and plentiful rewardeth the proud doer. What is faithful? One that does his will. One that seeks to follow after his teachings and his precepts as he's laid out before us in this book. Same was applicable in the Old Testament. That's what he desired of his people. Look at Habakkuk chapter 2. Habakkuk is a minor prophet towards the end of the Old Testament. I always have trouble finding it, but I nevertheless. Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 4. This is the faithful. This is... Faithful means righteous. The righteous will live by faith there. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4 says, Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Have a seat. Thank you, Tammy. She's running today. <laughs> so... Again, he says, the just shall live by his faith, the latter part of that verse. Faithful is what? the accounting of those who do the work of God and follow his command. That's what that's demonstrating here. He says, the just shall live by faith. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. And verse 12 is where we'll start. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me from for he that counted me faithful putting me into the ministry who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor injurious but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit, for this cause I have obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering, for a pattern to them which should rather hereafter believe on him to life everlasting." Now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, and only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck. Of whom is Hymenus and Alexander, with whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may not they may, may learn not to blaspheme. So again, we have Paul here writing to Timothy, whom he calls the beloved son of the Lord. What's the admonition here at the beginning of the first chapter there in Timothy? He says, how be it this cause I obtain mercy, that he might first, first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsurfing for pattern of them that might thereafter believe on him to everlasting life. Paul goes, you know, I'm, I was a pretty rotten person in my unbelief. The Lord was pitiful to me, right? He saw something in me I didn't see, but what was the expectation? He couldn't remain as he was. And why was Paul counted faithful? After the Lord called him, he went and did what he was supposed to do, he didn't tarry. Paul's conversion was that the Lord put him into service. And Paul never looked back from that calling, that service that he was called to. Paul followed the Spirit's guidance of that, we are sure, according to the accounts there in Acts and these other epistles that he's written here. Paul didn't go where he wished to. Of course, most of the time where he wished to go was because the Lord wished him to go there, didn't it? He didn't choose a bit of, of himself, but he followed the Lord's prompting. He didn't say, no, I'm going to go skip the synagogue this Sunday. I'm going to go down and fish, or I'm going to go down and do this whatever. Doesn't mean he didn't do those things. But what he did was he followed the Lord's teaching. Each time he went to a new city or, or a city that he had visited before, where did he go? Synagogue First. Where did he go second? Typically, after he went to the synagogue, he went to their houses. And he went to talk to those who would hear him. (coughs) Jews first, then the Gentiles, right? And when the Jews wouldn't hear him, what did he do? He dusted his shoes off, he went on to the Gentiles. That was the accounting of faithfulness, these epistles that we read here, and the examples in the gospel was they did so without fear of reprisal. Even if it meant unto death. We struggle with speaking up to somebody in the supermarket when we see somebody, don't we? Admit it, we do. I do, sometimes, to my own chagrin. What is faithful? What we're reading here. The accounting of faithfulness. This is what the account in the scripture details for us, book by book, line by line. That's what Paul was encouraging Timothy to do here. was to, He says, what do you say? Hold faith in a good conscience which is having put away concerning the faith. Some have made shipwreck. He tells him there, he says, according to these prophecies who went before you that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. Faith is being accounted by the simplest human terms as trustworthy and loyal. Could the Lord count on Timothy? Could he count on Paul? Could he count on the apostles, those in the Old Testament, to do what he said he would ask them to do? Sometimes we felt they fell short, but what did they do when they did that? They dusted themselves off, they got back up, asked the Lord to forgive them, and moved on. Not to be ugly, but we can't fool God, whether we think we can or not. Because just as the sons of Jesse gave an account, will give an account to God as as to whether they were faithful or not, the Lord saw something in them that was rejected. He sees our innermost hearts and our innermost feelings and thoughts and motives. You and I know our innermost thoughts. Judge them according to Scripture, according to what the Lord would have us to do. Then we can determine that we need to move on, what we need to get rid of and what we need to hold on to. Scripture's pretty clear. He talks about it dividing into what? Even to the joint and marrow, right? That's what the Word of God does. It can flay off those things that are not proper in His service. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19. He says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest of holies by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which we have consecrated for us, through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, that having an high priest over the house of God, he switches it up here. He says, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled clean from, uh, from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. It means don't turn it loose. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assemblings of ourselves together as is the manner of some. But exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of the judgment and fiery indignation of which shall devour the adversary. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Oh, how much sore punishment, suppose ye shall he be thought worthy, who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant, wherewith we, uh, he was sanctified, an unholy thing that hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, and I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again the Lord shall judge his people. We can look time and time again in the accounts in the Old Testament and the patriarchs there, and God was a jealous God. He desired our hearts wholly undivided. We see example after example of those who turned their back on God, and what happened to them? Sons of Korah, chief among them. The, king, the northern kingdom of Israel after the split in the civil war, what happened to them? They were carried off into captivity because they were unfaithful and ungrateful lot. And guess what? There wasn't a northern kingdom after that, was it? It was wiped out. They were absorbed into Assyrian culture after that. Why? Because they dishonored God. And they disobeyed God and followed after the gods of the, of the ashram that the Philistines and the Phoenicians followed after. And we saw what happened to them the Ark of the Covenant was captured and taken from them and put in the what put in the temple of Dagon, wasn't it? What happened? He tore up that temple. Statue and idol all pulled down and facing prostrate towards the Ark of God. The Ark of the Covenant. What is the seal of our covenant? Mark, we place on our service to the Lord. Something people can't see, we get baptized, we join the church because we we desire to please the Lord. We made an agreement with God, just like Israel made an agreement with God. And they passed through the flood and they did these things and they journeyed for 40 years and they saw the land and they Decided, nope, we can't do this. We can't can't get this land from our enemies. And guess what? They were made to wonder for 40 years. For their what? For not believing God to tell the truth. That's what they did. They accounted it to God that He didn't believe that they that they didn't believe He would deliver them the land that they were promised. And the generation thereafter didn't see it, did they? They saw it from afar. They didn't fool God. Folks, we need to be very, very careful of what we consider faithful. Again, I said, like I said earlier, God's not fooled in what is faithful and what is unfaithful. The only ones that can be deceived into believing that is us. And if we're ambassadors for Christ... We're on duty all the time. Whether we're here in this building or whether we're out in the world doing whatever it is that we're doing. I would encourage you to look at the Scripture and just examine exactly what the definition of faithful says like we've read through some of these accounts because there's more where this came from. And the state of this world and the way it's going, it's not getting any better. So we better be looking to this. Because Scripture tells us we'll give an accounting of what happens. Last place we'll turn is chapter 11. Go one one chapter over in Hebrews. I could read We could read the whole chapter, but I'll start in verse eight, it says by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into the place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went went out, not knowing whither he went by faith, he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, and the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed, and was delivered of child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang up, therefore, even of one of him as good as dead, so many as stars of the sky in the multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore, innumerable. These all died in faith. Not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly if they have been mindful of the country from whence they had came out, they might not have had, had an opportunity might have had an opportunity to return. But now they desire a better country, that is heavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God for he hath prepared for them a city. And by faith, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he had received the promises, offered up his only begotten son, and of whom it is said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Accounting that God was able to rise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he had received him in figure. I'll stop there. That very short accounting there in the span of time that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob labored to find the land which the Lord had promised them. Yes, the Lord had promised them a land, but he had also promised them a habitation, didn't he? He had promised them something. And he says they didn't see it in their lifetime, but they saw it from afar. And they died before they received it. But did it dissuade them their whole life from when he had called them on? No. Did they struggle? Yes. Did they have difficulty? Yes. But what do we see continually? Jacob strove with the Lord because he sought a blessing. And sometimes we're not even willing to strive to make ourselves a little uncomfortable. I pray the Lord would cause us to continually see these things and let us not be discouraged or confused with the world's definition of faithfulness and what the Lord expects of us. I'm guilty of this saying myself. The Lord knows my heart. Yes, He does. But don't give, it an, give our heart an opportunity to confuse us and to do what we want to do. The Lord has called us to be faithful as He is faithful. So let's not confuse our definition with the world's definition of what faithful truly is. That's all I have for you this morning. Thank you for your attention. Uh, uh, We do have business meeting. um, So we'll all stand to have a word of prayer.